Hey, everybody, this is Pat Francis from the Rock Solid Podcast, and you're listening to P.F. Wilson's Tape Recorder. Hello there. I'm P.F. This is my tape recorder. Coming up, it's Jimmy Pardo. You know what? That, that, that makes sense to me, and I guess that's, that's what I mean by, like, I'm in deep, but I'm not in really because it's like I... I'm listening to their most recent best of. I think it was called uh, the story or something like that. And uh, I- I'm listening to that kind of on a loop for the past week. We'll hear more from Jimmy in just a bit. Always a great talk with Jimmy. Find out what band we're talking about there, as well as uh, all kinds of other fun things, including sports and pop culture and what Jimmy's up to these days. We have a review of the Marie and the Diamonds concert, courtesy of Fangirl. We had some difficulty at the show. We will explain. We also have the hottest record in the world, and it comes from Andrew Dost and Jack Antonoff of Fun. It is from the soundtrack of the movie The D-Train, and it features vocals by a very special, close, personal friend of the show. Find out who that is coming up. But first, as always, fake news. And now, fake news with me. Human remains from a cave in northern Spain show evidence of a lethal attack 430,000 years ago, a study has shown. Researchers examined one skull from a site called the Pit of Bones, which contains the remains of at least 28 people. They concluded the two fractures on that skull were likely to have been caused by multiple blows and imply an intention to kill. NRA archaeologists concluded that the only way to stop a bad caveman with a gun is a good caveman with a gun. Greek bank deposits have fallen to their lowest level in more than 10 years as concerns persist over the country's debt burden and possible exit from the euro. Deposits stood at 139 billion euros, or $100 billion U.S., in April, a 3.9% decline on the previous month, according to the European Central Bank. Sales of mattresses, however, are up 10%. A lorry transporting copies of a special issue of Nintendo's Splatoon. You can tell this took took place in Britain because it should say a truck. Transporting copies of a special edition of Nintendo's Splatoon shooter video game has been stolen. The vehicle is on its way from Nintendo's European warehouse to retailer Game, said Nintendo. The vehicle was able to get away at high speed after running over a mushroom, but later crashed after running over a banana peel. President Obama's banned the U.S. government from giving certain kinds of military-style equipment to local police forces. The announcement follows criticism that police were too heavy-handed in dealing with protests in Ferguson, Missouri that turned violent last summer. It means armored vehicles on tracks, camouflage uniforms, and grenade launchers will no longer be given out. How in the world Obama expects to successfully declare martial law and take away everybody's guns is anyone's guess. A San Francisco recycling center is seeking a woman who may have handed over a rare Apple One computer by mistake. The machine was among other components and computers the woman wanted to dispose of after her husband's spirit was uploaded to the cloud. And finally, on Saturday, Martin O'Malley, former governor of Maryland and mayor of Baltimore, announced his bid for the 2016 Democratic presidential nomination. Besides being an accomplished musician, O'Malley enjoys history, art, science, and his favorite basketball team is the Washington Generals. And that's been Fake News with me. So, Fangirl is here. Oh, hey. <laughs> um, yeah, get a little closer to the mic, dear. Yeah, I'm right hey, on it. There you go, cool. So, uh, Marie and the Diamonds, last Friday. I'm going to start crying at the mention of her name, probably. <laughs> I know. Well, why is that? Because um, I love her so much. I don't know. <laughs> I cried a whole lot 
on Friday, actually. Oh, well, because of seeing her or because, because of seeing her. Oh, okay. <laughs> not because of the other incident we had. No, not because of that. Yeah, we had a, uh, an issue with um, the photo pass. Yeah, I was kind of upset because it was the first time I was going to do it all by myself. I was so proud of myself. Yes, Hannah was going to take pictures uh. um, for uh, a review we were doing for City Beat. And uh, she got to the box office and... And after pestering, I pestered the woman at like five o'clock and then five thirty and then six and then just like every 10 minutes at six. And then eventually at six fifty five, I went up there and I was like, oh, so I assume it'll be ready now. And she was like, no, they all just got tonight a few minutes ago. Hmm. So now that's weird because we, we thought maybe someone did something wrong in Pittsburgh. But as it turns out, the review in Pittsburgh, they uh, it was shot from far away. So I think this might have been like a, a thing for the entire tour. And this is each city they showed up and they said, nah, huh? Yeah. So anyway, impressions of the show. Um, I kept jokingly saying I would cry, but I sobbed the entire time. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah. Like, I'm not even joking. Like I say, oh my God, I was literally crying like all the time. <laughs> I couldn't stop. I was oh my gosh. a mess. You were a teenage girl. I don't even know what she looked like for the first three songs. So I oh was my crying God. so hard that I like couldn't even see. Wow, I was never just like, sobbing. You're never like that. Wow. That is really weird. I know. <laughs> it was really bad. Huh, we were up in the, in the, the same thing that happens on the Haunted Mansion. We were up in the balcony. So uh, we could not see you. Of course, <laughs> you were down there with your friend. I'm surprised you couldn't see me holding up my puppy. Uh, no, I did not see I that. Have, I have a stuffed dog that's just like Marina's well, that Marina I had, had holding up the whole time. And she got a lot of compliments. And what did you think of the show? Um, I, I thought it was definitely tear-worthy. <laughs> it was. She was very she, good. She sounded great. She was very good. It was a really good show. The crowd was was mean to each other, but they were very oh, yeah. good to Marina. That's I felt good. like sh- she was talking about how she felt like we were all really friends in this room. And while that could be something she says to everyone, it really did. Well, we're, that we're was the first time I thought she was being genuine about like, s- not she, some an artist was being genuine about that audience being one of the better ones. Well, when we're all diamonds after all, we are all diamonds. Yes. Diamonds are forever. That, well, the two songs I know best, the two hits, mm-hmm. Hollywood and Prima Donna. I, I liked live a lot. Uh, Hollywood sounded nice and keyboardy, yet they got <laughs> the guitar player had that acoustic guitar he was strumming over that was cool that was cool. and uh prima donna sounded a little just a little little edm-y in spots which was really cool yeah so that was very nice all righty then well thank you fangirl oh cool yeah all right bye see ya now the fangirl is gone i'm gonna tell a little story uh about something that happened this week Uh, i joined an omd fan page and uh i know i hadn't stumbled on it before but it's got like about 2500 maybe 3000 members and everybody just talks about omd like you know uh, other band pages and uh uh, someone commented on one of the threads and uh, his name is Roger Erickson. I'm like, this, is this the same Roger Erickson that I think it is? And Roger Erickson is a guy that uh, has remixed a couple of OMD songs in the past. And I don't think he does it for anybody else. He's just remixed OMD songs and he's really, really good. So I looked him up on the Facebook and it turns out he's got like a real job. He works in the medical profession or something. He's like an administrator at a hospital or something like that. So I commented, is, is this, are you the Roger Erickson that remixes stuff? And he says, yes, yes, I am. I'm like, oh, well, I complimented. I said, you know, your stuff is really good. And everyone jumped in on the thread and said, yeah, Roger's a genius. He's great. And so I said, you know, I've, I've done some remixes. I've only done one semi-professionally. I entered that contest uh, Lights did a couple of years ago. Some of you folks may remember, long-time listeners. You could download the separate tracks of Lights, Tracks, Toes, and then you could do a remix of it, which I did. And uh, so I linked him to that on our SoundCloud page. And he complimented. So oh, this is a really good mix, which I thought was a very high praise. And I'm sure he was just being polite. But, um, you know... Uh, it was that was just very cool, and uh, it's, it's nice you can connect with people that way on the Facebook. Sometimes Facebook isn't irritating and upsetting, but I just wanted to share that story. And uh, the hottest record in the world is coming up at the end of the show, but before that, of course, the big interview with Jimmy Pardo.
This episode of PF's Tape Recorder is brought to you by Home Shirts Cleveland. For all of your Northeast Ohio vintage t-shirt needs, visit homeshirts.com forward slash Cleveland. You'll also find links to the original Cincy Shirts site, as well as Home Shirts Indianapolis, with more cities to come. That's homeshirts.com forward slash Cleveland. Now, on with the show. Jimmy Pardo is a quick-witted stand-up comedian who hosts the award-winning podcast Never Not Funny. He's also the opening comedian for the Conan O'Brien program, and he has just signed a deal with Conan O'Brien's production company to create and produce reality-based TV programs. Here now is our interview with our old friend, Jimmy Pardo. Hey, P.F., play the, uh, the phone number. You're, you're what, are you using a uh, Google or something? I'm using the uh, Skype, which usually sounds okay. Skype. Yeah, yeah. That's how uh, It was weird. It uh, came up as Palmdale, California. It does, so I yes. didn't uh, that, know who this was. That throws people. Yeah, I, I, I need to warn people about that uh, more often because it, yeah, it, it's very confusing. So, um, Well, it confused me. Yes. <laughs> And uh, it, it's funny, you know, you, you uh, told me one time when we did this, you were at a car wash and I was interviewing you and uh, you had, were uh, trying to pay the lady and also talk to me. And then you told me later that you became confused and frightened and thought and were certain you were overcharged. And somehow that expression is now a big expression in our family. When everything goes wrong, it's always confused and frightened. Um, well, you're welcome. I don't have a question mark <laughs> at the end of that sentence. Um. So let me see. Gosh, uh, so you got the new deal with uh, Conan with production company. Are you allowed to talk about that? Is that is that out there or is that? Sure. What do you want to talk about? Uh, Battle of the Network Stars. I, I want to see this happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, what a joy that would be. Um, Brian Cranston you know, uh, versus I don't know Marin. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, boy, oh boy. You know, uh, if it comes back, I'm not the guy to bring it back. I would imagine Jimmy Fallon will do that. Oh, that's true. Uh, that is that's more up his street, isn't it? It's, it seems like it is, it, and I don't even mean that in the, in the majority. Oh no, no, no. Uh, you know, if, if anybody can bring back that show and talk everybody into doing it, like he's done on his show, I think it's him. Yeah. So, what kind of stuff are you going to be doing, or don't you know yet? I'm going to be doing about that all the uh, cable network stars. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, where it's just people from the third tier of cable that you've never heard of. Um, including myself. So that's going to be, uh, it's going to be very successful for about a week and a half. Uh, you know, it's going to be, uh, you know, I just had a meeting about it yesterday. Uh, you know, something that utilizes my skills of, you know, being fast and in the moment and, you know, kind of a way to bring never not funny, uh, you know, my, my award-winning podcast, PF2, yes. uh, uh, but not, in a talk show format, it's uh, we really, you know, it's the beginning stages of this yeah. development, so we don't really, I don't have an answer. No, I, I, no, I, I get that because it's kind of it has that that feel to it, not necessarily like you said uh, a talk show, but kind of that you know pop culture referency. We're kind of all friendly. We kind of know some of the same people, some of the same references, kind of thing. And yeah, that's uh, yeah, that that could have a lot of legs. I think so. It's just uh, you know, just how you know, how do we package it? How do we? You know, uh, yeah, I guess that's, uh, that's the word. How do we package, you know, the nonsense that I do without it being, you know, uh, interviewee, you know, yeah. guys sitting around a table talking uh, Chelsea Handler style. Um, right. uh, which, by the way, I wouldn't be against, but, uh, you know, the landscape is full of those. Right, exactly, yeah. You want to do something, something fresh, as they say. Um, <laughs> so you were, you were in the, uh, of course, in the, the new Chicago documentary? Yeah. Yeah. 
and uh, at the tail end of it, of course, but you kind of bring the whole thing together, I understand. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> um, I was lucky enough to be asked by uh, Peter Pargini, and he did a great job putting this, uh, this documentary together, and I was honored to be interviewed. I was there for about 20 minutes, and it was, uh, you know, it's a guy who's used to, you know, doing interviews for himself. You know, uh, I felt like 20 minutes, like, well, you know, why do we even bother setting up the cameras for 20 minutes? And then, you know, it, it occurred to me, it's like, because it's not about you, asshole. How about that? <laughs> uh, you know, how about because this uh, this movie's about the band and not you, you jackass? So, uh, I, I gave, you know, I gave some decent answers when he interviewed me. And I gave some, just, and I even at the time knew, completely unusable answers. Like, I was rambling like a fan. And then I just landed on something that, uh, you know, he asked me, he just, he finally, you know, not finally, I, you know, I say finally because I was able to finally articulate what I wanted to say. I finally, he, he led me down a path where I gave him a, a beautiful pull quote and, uh, and then he left in, he, I don't even want to spoil it because I want people to go see this movie. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. It really, really, uh, shows my, my favorite band in a great light and a bad light, almost like that Eagles documentary did for show warts and all. Yeah. And, um, he did a great job, and I'm honored, honored, honored to be in it. Cool. Um, yeah, we wouldn't want to spoil it for for anybody. And like, I'm with you know, like you and and Pat Francis is I can uh, I can watch a documentary about any band. Although I do like Chicago, I do have a couple dozen songs in my iTunes. Um, but even if it's a band I don't like, I mean, I will watch a documentary about them because the, the whole process just uh, fascinates me. You know, I have I feel the same way. In fact, I thought of you. I've been thinking of this. I that you bring this up. I've been thinking of you the last. Uh, couple of days mainly because you know we've been trying to coordinate this interview but secondly i'm going through i don't want to say that i'm in deep because i am in no way shape or deep but i'm in on a uh, i'm doing a kind of a spend up la jag lately um where i uh, in fact i just watched their documentary last night and uh so and because of your love of omd and kind of that, that oh, yeah, yeah. Romantic, uh, yep uh, are you a spend up la guy oh yeah i like spando Hmm. I guess I thought you'd say more than that. Okay, hmm. I, <laughs> I like, well, not not. I mean, again, I have all the hit singles. I've got the the best of along with the last album they did on Epic. Um, but you know, but you know me, I'm not really an, an album guy. And I was explaining this to Pat when he he did your favorite band a couple weeks ago, which actually is going to air after this. But um, uh, I'm really a terrible music fan in that way, in that I I'm, I'm an album guy for bands I really really like, like the Beach Boys and OMD and Depeche Mode and people like that. But really, I'm a hit singles guy more so than an album guy. So, And with Spandau, they're one of my favorite bands, yes, but they are below the album phase for me. They are strictly a, a hit singles and maybe a couple other tunes. So, You know what? That, that, that makes sense to me. And I guess that's, that's what I mean by like I'm in deep, but I'm not in really deep because it's like I, I'm listening to their most recent best of. I think it was called uh, The Story or something like that. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm listening to that kind of on a loop for the past week. Oh, wow. And, and kind of thinking like, I got I, I got to jump more into the into the albums here, and then well, for whatever reason, I'm stopping myself from doing that. So I, I know where you're coming from. Uh, I also feel that we're kind of like about about yes, the band yes. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, like I'll and even to a lesser extent, David Bowie. Like I'll be happy to put on his best of, or you know, one of those eight thousand Ryko disc versions of the you know greatest hits where there's seven million songs out there. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but when it comes to buying the whole album, I kind of, I'm kind of with you like that. Eh, I don't know if I need the whole yeah, I, I tried going through with the Bowie albums because uh, some Pat had somebody on that recommended that you know, oh you got to go I forget who it was but big huge Bowie fan and so you got to go start the album so I started it and I was like eh you know I think I'm okay with the hit singles <laughs> and some of the yeah 
Isn't it something like, you know, it's funny because I, I took my mom to see uh, Neil Diamond on Saturday uh, for Mother's Day, late oh, okay. Mother's Day gift. There you go. And um, when we were coming, you know, it was up at the Hollywood Bowl and it was, you know, that's a, you know, my mom's not, the, she's not old, but she certainly isn't young. Yeah. Um, and to walk from the venue to your car, it's about a two mile walk. And uh, as we were doing it, she's like, oh, you know what, Jimmy, I don't know how many times I could do this. She goes, hey, unless David Bowie comes, I will do it for David Bowie. Huh. And I was like, wow, okay. Huh, I didn't, that's a strange I didn't know that I uh, we had a built-in partner to go see David Bowie with, but apparently if he ever comes, I'm taking my mom. Wow. Wow, that's pretty funny. Yeah. yeah. I thought um, it was neat. I will say about Spano Ballet, too, Tony Hadley, one of my favorite singers. Uh, you know, you gotta, have you seen the documentary yet? No, I haven't. you got to see it. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, I, I, thought it was, I thought it was really, really good. Um... And what's interesting, uh, uh, a couple of things, the, the audio is not the best, and they have the accents, of course, and, and as a rube American, when it's a really thick British accent, it's a little hard to understand. Yeah. Um, and they play, the, the, whoever did the mixing, uh, the, 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 the audio bed, the music bed, is a little too loud on the bottom, and so it kind of, you, you, can, you, can't, you can't really hear the dialogue all that well uh, on the interviews, which is over all this old footage, which amazingly they have. Hmm. Um, Anyway, uh, speaking of Tony Hadley, that's the reason I bring it up, uh, because of what you said, when you watch the thing, you'll see that, uh, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm recently in deep. I think it's, is it, it's not Gary Kemp. Is it Gary it Kemp? It is Gary Kemp, yes. Uh, he's the guy that wrote all the songs. Right, right. And he's, of course, the, the genius of the band. Exactly. Yes, and my, yes. it, it, in all these interviews from the 80s, like he, he's constantly putting down Tony Hadley. Like, you see him oh, wow. literally... Like put him down in these interviews, but it's never addressed until kind of the end of the movie, where huh. somebody finally, like I think Martin uh, says, uh, you know, and then Gary started putting down Tony, and I, and we would stand for it. And it was like, wow, he's been putting him down for twenty years, and you're just figuring out. He's <laughs> like, it was really weird to pick up on that watching this movie, but it was never talked about until the end. Wow, I do know that that was that the 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 riff in the band was uh, made mostly between Tony. And Gary, because Tony felt they were owed more of the uh, uh, more of the money, even though Gary wrote the songs. You know, Tony's argument was, well, it was still you know me singing and everybody else playing, and so that was ca- caused kind of the, the big riff for a couple of years. Yeah, they uh, they they covered that. They go, you know, they they, they covered the court case. They showed them walking in and out of court, and uh, you know, I mean, you know, one could argue that you know they had no ground to stand on, and one could argue that the other guy probably should have been more of a stand-up guy and gave them something. Yeah, I think so in that case, because those are good songs, but they're also unique to that band, and that they did have a sound. Yep. So I would say in that case, uh, they, whereas the, with, with the Smiths, yeah, Morrissey said that the, uh, the, the other two, apart from Johnny Marr, were as interchangeable as the parts of a lawnmower. <laughs> well, isn't that nice to say? <laughs> uh, he lost that it, case, uh, the uh, the other thing I liked about the documentary, and I don't want to. It, this is only a ten second thing. It doesn't ruin it. It's um, right. uh, they showed them. You know, they were they were talking. You know, in retrospect, how they just were living like rock stars. And oh yeah, yeah. And uh, and I literally had no idea how big they had that, that they were. Even though I was in, that literally was like when I was in the, you know, the prime of being in the music business in the mid eighties. Um, I guess I just had no idea here in the states that they were that huge. Um, but when they showed up to the live aid, they were, you know, retrospectively, they were making fun of themselves, or at least Tony was, or whoever was speaking at the time, when they were showing the footage of uh, Paul Weller, you know, he was, yeah. they said, you know, Paul Weller just walked up 
uh, from his uh, from his flat, and Bananarama showed up in a friend's car, and yeah. we showed up in a limo. <laughs> and it was it was great that they were able to like look back and kind of like go, oh, God, what a holes we were acting like. Yeah, I think even in the in the yeah. video for Do They Know It's Christmas, they show them outside and they're getting out of a limo. Uh, yeah, right. they they uh, they are. And yeah. they show that they show that clip of them getting out of it, and that's funny. And, you know, they get out and they look like rock stars, whereas everybody else kind of gets out, and, and then they kind of talk about you know backstage at, uh, at live Aid, or not live Aid, but uh, rather uh, do you know it's Christmas is um you know where everybody's uh, you know no egos and everybody was afraid to sing first, and Tony was the guy to sing first, and that's he was right, nervous, yeah. and yeah, uh, kind of neat. It was a, a, a neat documentary uh, about a band that I didn't have any interest in, <laughs> I don't know, thir- thirteen days ago. <laughs> Cool, I got check. Can I Netflix that? I got it on demand. Okay, I'll have to I'll have to dig that up somehow, or, or use my uh, my in laws' uh, uh, cable code. Um, uh, the other thing I was going to back with Chicago. This just funny, real quick, is um, uh, it, this weird how this all came around. You were talking on Never Not Funny uh, about um, I guess Matt had brought up the fact that uh, they'd done a on Rock Solid done a show about Van Halen, and it was uh, Schmidt and Pat Francis, and you said, if I know those two, they took it very seriously, which everybody got a laugh out of because it's true. Um, yeah. And then you mentioned being on my show, which was funny for two reasons, because first of all, you said that you went on like a blowhard about Chicago, but I don't think you realized that's the whole idea of your favorite band when we did that, is to geek out about your band. So that was one thing. Okay. And secondly, you said it like I was on P.F. Wilson's podcast, like people who should know who I am. <laughs> Well, that was the greatest thing ever. How, well, first of all, you're welcome. But what am I supposed to do? Go, I'm on this guy's podcast who sure. nobody knows. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to sell it, sell it, baby. I'm going right. well, to make we, it seem like you're you're in the uh, you're in the, well, in the in the in the, in the uh, fabric. In retrospect, Garen knows who I am because I write for his website, and Elliot knows because we see each other on the Facebook posting on the Pop Culture Beast website about stories and stuff, and uh, I've emailed Matt once or twice. In fact, I'm going to try and interview Matt uh, for this show because um, I think people would like to know what uh, the Brian Epstein of podcasting has to say, and I've only heard him on one other show, which was Comedy Film Nerds. But, um, uh, yeah, he's very good uh, in interviews and uh, you know, talking about this stupid, uh, this, I guess we can call it an art form now, podcasting. I don't yeah. know as we call this. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's really the, 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 the guy that people know, but they don't know, really. Well, you know what's funny is everybody, you know, everybody gives me the credit because I'm the face of the show. Everybody knows. It's like, you know, you're the first guy, you're the first, you know, known comedian to have a podcast and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, it never would have happened had Matt Belmont, Belmont not asked me to do it. So, yeah, there you is know, a, he's the uh, he's the reason that, uh, he's the reason that we're all doing this. That's true, yeah. And there is a synergy there because he also recognized a good format for you because you know every podcast has to be about something, and uh, it's hard to pinpoint. What, I know that you describe it as a we've said, but it's a party conversation was kind of like the label you guys had thrown. But it, it's really accurate, you know. It's it does feel like that still to this day. I know it's it's and, and you know I'm, and, and as cliche as it can sound sometimes, it's like I, I'm having more fun than ever on this thing. It's. Uh, you know, the more and more that we're just, you know, we're nine years in, and it's, you know, we have a really great audience you know, through Airwolf. We have our, you know, our paid subscribers that have been with us for all, basically all nine years, you know, these this core group of people who keep coming back, and it's like, you know what, they're digging it, and, you know, I'm going to quit worrying about making everybody happy, um, which, you know, we went through a phase of that, when, you know, when you're trying to compete with other podcasts, and, you know, as far as guests go, or, you know, who are yeah. people going to like, and, Hey, I like this guy, but will the listeners? Well, it's like you know what, and if they don't, it's first of all, it's one week. That's them, and 
secondly, it's like one would hope maybe they come for us for 51% of the reason. Oh, I'd say more. The gal he had on uh, this last episode, uh, Laura, what was her name? Laura, I can't remember her name. Laura Lind- uh, Lauren Lapkus. Laura Lapkus. I, I didn't know who she was. G- great. What a, what a wonderful episode. Thoroughly enjoyed uh, it. Well, first of all, uh, thank you. And secondly, you know, it's out here in the minority. Uh, she, is, she is a big comedy bang-bang person. And uh, so we got a lot of new uh, listeners, be, uh, oh, at least for that week, because they all came to listen to her because they love her so much. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. She seems like a very yeah, funny gal. Which weird. Yeah. Yeah, she seemed to fit right in. And same thing with the, when Sarah Colonna was on. Uh, that was a, I enjoyed Ooh. that one a lot, too. Cause that was Sarah and I uh, known each other forever, and so uh, it was just a matter of time before Sarah got on, and then you know our mutual love of General Hospital finally uh, made that happen. So yeah, I got to talk uh, to her. And, so I appreciate uh, you saying that. I got to talk to her and geeked out about the fact that her husband started his pro football career in the Canadian Football League. So <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it is. It's, I I don't know why it's so weird to me that her. Uh, I think it's her fiance, but I don't think they're married yet. Oh, that's right. Yeah, uh, but if you say. Just say boyfriend or husband, I don't know. Fian- fiance. Uh, I meant to say fiance. Uh, but it's, I, I don't think I've known anybody else that's ever been with a pro athlete. I, 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 and I don't know why it's weird to me, but it is. Hmm. Um, not weird in a negative way. Like, like such a, like, you know, how do these two worlds collide when it's not, you know, uh, Giselle and Tom Brady, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. When it's, uh, when it's comedians and, and people like that, maybe not like a top line athlete. Although he was on a, you know, championship team, so... Um, yeah, that's that was, true. That was an and she team. was on the. Cha- she, I, I'm sorry. He, he was on a championship team, so you know it's it's kind of interesting how they came together when they came came together via Twitter. Uh, I just it's you know how things happen sometimes. Yeah, I guess so. It's the modern age, PS. It really is. Well, I know you got to go. You got places to be. You're dealing with. Uh, really, I, I got. If you got time, I got time. I can do five more minutes. If, okay. If you're oh, fine. oh, that'd be great. Okay, so let's uh, talk a little baseball real quick because uh, both of our teams are doing horribly. No. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> And I don't know about... And, go ahead. I was going to say, I don't know about uh, the White Sox, but essentially this is the same Indians team from last year. They're just not scoring any runs. And when they do score runs, the, the, the pitching is horrible. Yeah, that's kind of what's happening with the White Sox. No, but, uh, you know, the difference is the White Sox went out and got some great new pieces that made this team look like it was going to be, you know, contenders. And they they are not. They And it's a bummer to be here in... Uh, you know, it's not even June, and to go, and they had a six-game winning streak. The White Sox did, where it's like, okay, here we go, we're back over five hundred. Yep. I think we, I think, we got to one game over, maybe two games, and then we went right out and lost five in a row again. And then it, it, it's, you know, I'm a broken record, but at some point you got to look at management. You got to look at, you know, this guy's not able to motivate his team or whatever. Something's going now, you know. Yeah, I think with us, uh, everyone loves uh, 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 Tito Francona, but. Um, it's it, it just seems that uh, like Corey Kluber is the, one of the best pitchers in the American League. He's got the worst run support in all of Major League Baseball. The Indians are getting him less than two runs a game, and they finally got him a win uh, the other day. But it was like it was three to three to two, uh, five to two was what it ended up being uh, over the Reds, the woeful Reds. Yeah, and this guy's just not getting. Well, Jan Gomes, Jan Gomes is back. Maybe that'll help you. Yes, Jason Kipnis is uh, seemed to have gotten out of his slump against the Rangers. Although everybody got out of their slump against the Rangers, they beat him. They beat yeah. The they what you guys win fourteen to one or something, something the other day. like that. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. And uh, I found a uh, wonderful website by the, or not what's a Facebook page. Some guy created. It's just home run calls of Tom Hamilton, the play-by-play guy for the Indians. That's all this guy posted oh, on really? his Facebook page. Yeah, it's called Tom Hamilton has the best home run call in baseball. 
and it's my favorite Facebook page ever. Because I just, even when the Indians are terrible, just hearing him do a home run call makes it all worthwhile. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna check that out. I like uh, I like stuff like that. I'm like, you know, I'm a big fan of the uh, the Detroit Tigers broadcast team. The uh, Radio guys, they, they they do a great job. I used to listen to them sometimes. I was in Cleveland. I could pick them up on WJR from across the lake. And when the Indians were on, I yeah. went here to listen to baseball. Um, now I've got the app, the Major League Baseball app on the phone. So I just listen to games yeah, that yeah. way. Yeah, so that's 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 a, <clears throat> a nice thing to do. I listened to the Dodgers last night for a little bit until I fell asleep. Not because of that. Didn't you guys uh, go to a game the other day? We were at the uh, the game that Kershaw pitched, and I think the Dodgers won 8 to nothing. It was a... Uh, uh, and he had a no-hitter going into the sixth, maybe? Okay. I think he ended up with a two-hitter, but it was, uh, yeah, they were like winning six to nothing and a no-hitter going into the sixth. It was like, well, this could be an amazing game. And you know, I think the very next batter hit got a hit. And it's like, yeah. well, okay, that's fine. That's always, that's always my first thing when I get to a game is I count how long before the no-hitter is gone. And, of course, uh, last year or the year before, I actually, I actually saw my uh, first no-hitter, and it was almost a perfect game, but he uh, he walked a guy, so... And who who was this? I cannot remember who it was. It was uh, for the Reds. Um, uh, Hang on, you 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 saw a no hitter. You can't remember who it I was. I know. I can't know. <laughs> it, it, the name escapes me. And he we made it to, to the T-shirt company. I mixed up in with Josh Sneed. The Cincinnati they made a shirt for it because um, they showed a close up of him after he uh, he did the last out. And he, he mouthed. You could see it very clearly. He said, "I just fucking walked a guy." So that was the T-shirt. I just effing walked a oh. guy. Yeah. And, That's uh, great. Yeah. So. But I, I cannot remember. But I told you about that, and you had the funniest line. You, I said, I, and I felt like I finally accomplished something in my life. And you said, "Yes, you watched a baseball game." <laughs> <laughs> so I always remember that. I just, I just laughed at my own joke, like I didn't say it. What a jerk I am! Yeah, but you didn't, you hadn't heard it, so I mean, it's or you'd forgotten it. It was two years ago. Oh, hey, Kiev, hang on one second here. Uh, the uh, the power guy is uh, out uh-huh. in front of my house. My whole neighborhood lost power. And uh, so I'm curious to see what this guy's doing and, and here. It was, it was Homer Bailey. I had to look it up. God, I, I don't know why I was thinking it was somebody else. It was Homer Bailey. And he also pitched the last Reds uh, no-hitter uh, in 2012. Wow. If you're scoring along at home. And we hope you are tonight, as Letterman used to say. Um, sure we are. We are, yeah. <laughs> there we are. Yep, Homer Bailey against the San Francisco Giants. 3 nothing. And I wouldn't wow, let my, okay. wouldn't Congratulations. Let, thank you. <laughs> wouldn't let my wife leave the game. Wouldn't tell her why. And uh, but the kids were calm about it, and they uh, they said, yeah, "No, we're fine." So, all right. Uh, hey, Pip, completely switching topics. Are yes. you a uh, are you a, are you a U two guy at all? You like U two? I like me some U two. Uh, I'm not a huge U two guy, but we went to see them in concert last night. And, oh, I heard uh, about that. If they get to your neighborhood, I suggest you go see them. It was a it was a really a great, uh, an amazing show. I saw them in the Pontiac Silverdome in 1986. Seven, which like it was uh, not unforgettable fire, but the one after that, rattle and hum, I think. And uh, enjoy- wow. oh, oh, and I did see the zoo, the Zeropa tour. My wife and I saw that in the Coliseum in in, uh, in Cleveland when they had the cars hanging oh. from the ceiling. Yeah, I forgot about that. I always forget that one. I always, I always think I've only seen them once, but I have actually seen them twice. In fact, well, I recommend you see them a third time. It was fantastic. Cool. I will see. I'll see if I can get my wife. My wife might be over you too. It's funny how she gets over bands. He's just like we we're going to go see. We saw Peter Hook. Uh, which uh, my daughter took pictures for, and we reviewed it for Pop Culture Beast. And uh, my right. wife, my wife was like, we, we we were trying to get her a ticket too. So well, we can get two tickets, you know, for us, and we'll just buy you a ticket. And he's like, Nah, <laughs> I'm over it. <laughs> now is that the uh, is that the show where your uh, your daughter texted and then the guy? Yeah, yeah, that's back? right. Yeah, yeah. Peter Hook. She texted Peter Hook while she was sitting in the photo pit and said, Hey, 
because we saw the um, playlist on the soundboard, and he changes the he does uh, like eight New Order songs, then does two Joy Division albums in their entirety with his new band, and uh, so we saw the set list for the New Order songs, and it was none of the songs that we liked. And so she's sitting in the photo pit, and she tweets him and says, "Hey, Peter Hook, two things: one, play Age of Consent; two, play Age of Consent." And he tweets back, "Okay, just for you." And the second of the last song, he comes up to the mic and just says, not like it means anything in particular, that's never too late. And he, they blast into Age of Consent, which the crowd enjoyed more than the hit Blue Monday, which they played right after. So, Really? Yeah, they seem to get it. Because I think people kind of, I mean, we've heard Blue Monday to death. But Age of Consent yeah, yeah, is, yeah. Like, is like a big single of, uh, that wasn't really a single, but it's a big, it's a song every New Order fan knows. And uh, um, and so they were, they were very excited to hear it. And people seemed to be singing along more with that than they were with uh, Blue Monday. So yeah, it was, uh, it was very wow. exciting. A lot of fun. That's a great uh, I apologize. I keep getting distracted. Uh, you know, as I mentioned, we're out of power, um, and uh, they keep going through my yard to uh, try to fix it. I think. Aha! Uh-huh. Yeah, we had. Uh, so, we have the issue. We have our, our power lines in our backyard, so occasionally we have uh, the energy people come through and trim lines, and it always freaks everybody out. And and they they used to wear uniforms. They don't anymore. They just come back in t-shirts and jeans, and like, who's this wandering through my backyard? Yeah, it's a little, a little uh, creepy, right? It's, like, a little, uh, it's a little unnerving. Uh, but, you know, for that reason, I probably should let you go because yep. uh, we're gonna, uh, I'm going to have to try to take a cold shower here and then get on with my life. Okay. All right, sir. Well, again, thanks for taking the time. Really appreciate it. And, uh, again, if uh, if, you're, if you're doing a date at Wiley's in the winter like you sometimes do, we'll try to come up and make that one because now we have uh, babysitting coverage. And uh, I will be in, uh, I think it's August 1st. Oh, okay. Oh, great. I'll, I'll mark that down. Cool. I will tell Patty. I will warn yeah. the in-laws that you're going to have the girls for the night, and uh, we will head up to Dayton. <laughs> Brilliant. All right, man. Well, it sounds good. Thanks, Pia. All right, Jimmy. Thanks. Bye. You bet. Bye-bye. Thanks again to Jimmy Pardo for being on the show. You can catch Jimmy this summer, uh, July 31st at Morty's Comedy Joint in Indianapolis, Indiana. And then August 1st, he drives down to Dayton to appear at Wiley's Comedy Club there in Dayton, Ohio. More tour dates to come. For all things Jimmy Pardo, go to jimmypardo.com. You can go to nevernotfunny.com and find out everything you need to know about the podcast. Although I think those two things are actually linked, so you can link to one from the other if you're having any difficulty there. So again, yeah, thanks to Jimmy for doing that, t- covering out some time for us. Very, very busy man. What with his uh, with the podcast, he does he does two of those a week. He uh, opens for Conan O'Brien uh, four nights a week, or it might be five. I don't know. I don't have cable. I don't know how often Conan is on. It might be four or five nights. And then of course now with this big deal with this production company, so good for Jimmy. Now of course we are up to the hottest record in the world. We're going to skip the credits because I am so excited about this. The hottest record in the world comes to us from Andrew Dost and Jack Antonoff. They are off of Fun. And Andrew Dost was commissioned to uh, write the soundtrack for a movie called The D-Train starring Jack Black. It uh, it features some, I guess, uh, some score work as well as uh, some songs that have been previously released are also on the soundtrack, but there, there are some original songs on there as well. And this is one of them. It has been released as a single from the soundtrack. It is a song called A Million Stars. And I said it features Andrew Dost and Jack Antonoff with vocals by... Andy McCluskey of Orchestra Maneuvers in the Dark. Yes, it is the hottest record in the world. This is a million stars from Andy McCluskey, Andrew Dost, and Jack Antonoff. So long, and thanks for listening.
to wish upon a million stars depend on us to